And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. What in the hell is going on out here? Get back in your grave! Ah, son of a... Holy Jesus! Frank Bannister! Go ahead, I'll handle this. What the hell are you doing in my graveyard? You have been told to stay away! This is the Most Medea Podcast. I'm Tom Crown now, and I'm sick. <laughs> Go ahead. And I'm Langley West. And uh, you're here for episode 172. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I've been sick the last couple of days, and, and it hasn't been fun. It's been a nasty, nasty bug going around, man. It's worse. It's the worst. <laughs> There's nothing worse than when you're laying in bed looking up your wife going... I don't feel good. Anyway, um, we're here for episode 172. We have a person I've known on, I met on Facebook and have met at several cons, CryptoCon and that kind yeah. of thing in here. Um, uh, an author uh, of, of many sort of tales that bridge a lot of different genres, which I think is going to be very exciting to cool. talk about. Um, please welcome Sharice Clayton. Yay. Hello. Hi. Hi. So I'm so I happy. Have to, I have to note. I have to note that the CDC did a study a few years back. And that the flu hits men 15 to 20 percent harder than it hits women. Really? Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so actual physical symptoms. So I'm not a, yeah. I'm not so a I'm baby. Not full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Man flu is a real thing. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> so I am fully useless trivia. Well, that's uh, that's part and parcel to being a good writer, right? I would hope so. I know what I've always thought about writers, and I don't know. I've never. When every time I mention I get weird looks, is that I think we as writers we are elaborate liars. That sure. we the, and the more elaborate the lie, the better the story and right. the better the book. Um, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. At least your it's your powers are being directed towards good. <laughs> See, when I was young, back when there were dinosaurs roaming the earth, somebody told me that to be a good writer you had to be Hemingway. So I joined the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) That too. I joined the Navy. I traveled. I lived in Cuba for a while. 
I did everything and anything. I jumped a tramp steamer and went to Argentina to see the penguins and then hitchhiked back up the continent. Wow. Not nice. anything you can think of. So that I am full of stories. And as I've gotten older, I found that when I go to tell the stories, people's eyes roll into the back of their heads and they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like it's different for for us, where us writers. <laughs> and that is that... As a, I've said, we've talked about this on the show before. As a painter, I paint something and I present it to someone and I get immediate reaction. Sure. As a cook, same thing. As a songwriter, the same thing. Us, I hand someone 100,000 words and maybe in a month I go, I get a, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah, it's so hard because you, you work in such a kind of vacuum. And all you have is your your significant other or your kids to annoy. Well, you know, speaking speaking to your idea that you're um, an elaborate liar, um, I think that that's true of any artist, because you are telling you're telling a story, whether you're a painter, whether you're a musician, mm-hmm. whether you know, and so you you you're you're coming up with that story, aka, AKA lying. Mm-hmm. Actors are just liars yeah you know they're just pretending you know and um but the important thing is that there is a truth that comes through in the story that you're telling in other words your story has to ring true or it has to have that spirit of what what uh, what's his what's his name um truthiness Truthiness, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 do you agree i do i was thinking well we the the new Prince song came out the other day. Oh, right, right. Uh, uh, nothing Compares to You. Mm-hmm. And I was reading an interview that had been done at the time where he said he didn't release it in his name because he wasn't in that domestic situation and he didn't think that he wanted people to think he was. Mm-hmm. So he gave the song to somebody else because it didn't fit his life. But he wrote it. Right, sure. Because he could, he could empath and he could project somebody else going through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 and I think that's so important. We're in many ways we artists in general. They're the interpreters of life, the experience to other people to kind of so that they too then can empathize and right. that that sort of yeah. simpatico. Thing. If we're good artists, some of us just vomit stuff. And me, and that's <laughs> my shut up. Uh, but I also think that that I always feel to paraphrase Blade Runner that art is a test to provoke an emotional response, and sometimes that emotional response is disgust, right, and horror, and sometimes you know you can you can get in there and and pluck some strings and make people cry. Sure. Um, yeah. That's and apathy is an emotion. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Even if you generate apathy, you're still getting a response. Right. Right, I agree. I do a lot of a lot of psychoanalysis, uh, medical school bullshit, and I will watch a person make a decision and then express the decision. And once you have the training, you can see the thought process. Mm-hmm. And when you watch somebody look at a piece of art, you can see the thought process of how they're going to respond. When they're reading a story, you can't see that. Right. Because you right. can't sit there and watch them read your story. Come you know, on, turn the page, turn the page. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one thing that was great was when one of my beta readers for the last book was Heather Sturbiak, and when she sent me her feedback, she put little comments, and not only were it, did she make comments of like, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, I would get things like, you're not going to do this, are you? 
and then later on you go, oh my god, you are, you are, and it's, it was so great, it was so great. Um, where did you grow, where were you born and where did you grow up? That's a complicated question. <laughs> I, I'm sure it is. <laughs> so I was born, I am told, in Enumclaw, Washington. Okay. My birth certificate was issued 10 days after my birth, but the hospital bill was paid 30 days in advance, itemized in cash. Hmm. There's no signature for my parents or my doctor, and my Social Security card was not issued until I was 10 years old, and it was issued in a different name. Wow. Oh, my God, Cerise, you weren't born. This is you like just, one of those... Uh, just appeared. This is one just, of those, like... <laughs> I'm betting I'm a cousin's teenage child's child, is what uh, I'm betting. Uh, I was going to go with X-23, like the from Logan, yeah. the girl. <laughs> I like that better. I have a belly button. Oh, you should go with that. Damn. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I fought with the government until last year to get my paperwork taken care of, and last year, out of the blue, everything lined up, and I got all the... The birth certificate and all the paperwork's actually straight and clean now. Mm. Nice. After nice. an entire way too many—I'm not going to say how old I am—way too many <laughs> years of fighting. Yeah. Just to get a copy of a birth certificate. Were you a, a bookie kid? A what? A bookie kid, like <laughs> taking bets? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just taking was, bets on the street corner. <laughs> <laughs> Give so it my parents were con artists. I can say this freely because they're not going to listen to the podcast. Um, my dad was a, a grifter. Okay. And he traveled everywhere, and we didn't stay anywhere more than about three months. We moved 36 times before third grade. Wow. 36 different school enrollments before third grade. Wow. And we stayed one place for five years, and then life went to hell, and yeah. Um. So, no, I wasn't a bookie kid. I was nonverbal autistic until first grade. Wow. And then I was diagnosed dyslexic and retarded and kicked out of school until third grade. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Your so tax dollars thought, at work. Yeah, Man, no, they don't, like, they don't like native Romy Brown kids, so mm. it, it just wasn't a priority to any of the school's districts. You're active in, in the, that world, yes, the native world? Yes, yes, I am. I'm active in the native world, but I'm not active in the Romani world. I mix, so I, I'm half and half, technically, I guess, maybe. Um, and my aunt will tell you that we're part Irish, but that's my aunt. Okay. <laughs> if she listens. I love the aside. <laughs> but that's, but that's, yeah, that's my aunt. <laughs> she says all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, so were you, I know a lot of times... Uh, Young people will they they they're they they tend to will be in their head and um, there's a rich dialogue or a monologue going on. Sure. Um, oh yeah. But uh, were you telling like I I told myself stories all the time as yeah. a kid, um, just making them up and wool gathering as you stared out the window. Yeah. And this was before I weed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that many active memories before 11 years of age. Mm. I had a head injury. And quit being autistic with the head injury. So, blessing, I guess. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I don't have that many really act. I have vague pieces of memories. Like, we walk into this room and then the room goes away. Huh. And it's just fragmentary memories. And my childhood was so violent that I don't know that I want to remember. Hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, just, just to be blunt, 
I have I was the sixth person in the United States to get micro limb reattachment. My left arm was reattached when I was in kindergarten. Yeah. And police were involved. So and I don't want to remember. Right. Right. Let's right. put it that way. No. And it, it's I'll be talking to the horror crowd. We'll be at like Crypticon or whatever, and people will be like imagining something. I'll be like, no, 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 that's not what it's like. Right. That's not yeah. what that smells like. That's not what that sounds like. And they give me this look, and it's like, no, just trust me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Do is is did writing was writing a reaction to to that past in in a way to like say through this I can find a way to put it. The pieces together? All right, and control. Yeah. Uh, you, you control, know. I'll give you. Control, yeah. I started writing in third grade. I wrote a story. I think that the teacher had read Shel Silverstone's Where the Sidewalk Ends. Oh, okay. I think. Because I read a story about a boy at the sidewalk's end and how there were little creatures stealing the water. <laughs> it's weird and surreal, and I've tried to reread it as an adult, and I think I was schizophrenic back then. I don't know. It was really crazy. Hmm. So, yeah, I started writing then, and I wrote at least a story a week, or poems. Oh, God, I wrote so many poems when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's, ever, yeah. that's the time to write poetry, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're yes. a teenager. Yes, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm one of those guys. Poetry whizzes right by me. I, oh, although, I, I, during a talk I did with uh, Gaiman, Neil Gaiman, he, he's, I asked him about that, and he goes, you know, most poetry is bad, but the stuff mm-hmm. that's good... Is really it was really good. good. I I wrote a lot of poems when I was a teenager, but I I the way that I that made it okay for myself, mm-hmm. I was writing songs. Song lyrics. I was writing song lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Mine always had the word Nantucket in it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a professor once explain poetry to me in a way I've never seen it expressed by anybody else since or before which is that if you understand poetry is a visual medium, it begins huh. to make sense. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. That is good. Yeah. You know, huh. that, that to me is how I look at poetry. I don't write much poetry now. Yeah, I tried once, like back in the Carpenter days. I was like, it's, it's goth. you gotta write, we got to put poetry in there, right? right? So I wrote a piece of poetry, and we actually got letters that said, eh, please never do don't that. Don't do that. It was just so <laughs> had such an awesome. aspect to it, you know. Uh, my favorite was um, we got submissions, fiction submissions, and I got a big binder, and on the front it just said "vampire haiku," <laughs> <laughs> and it was full of like things like "as I lay there next to my last meal," <laughs> just like oof. Mm. You could you could feel the the fluffy sleeves and the you brocade. Could smell the cloves <laughs> and yeah. And I gave it to our sub- submission guy, Mike Hike. I'm like here you go. <laughs> so um, there was there was there ever a person that we always talk about the person that gives us permission. Was there was there do you remember the person that first read something that you did and, and gave you like the smile and the raised eyebrow and the thumbs up? I can name two people that launched me on my career. Mm. One is Okay, so I only went to freshman high school and then I went to college. And the English teacher freshman high school who read my stuff and said, You're good enough to be published, why aren't you going to college? There you go. And then when I, my mother died in that period of time, so life was hell for a while. 
And when things stabilized, I got into a Me Too type of relationship with a professional who I'm not going to name mm-hmm. in the industry, and he really, really, really supported my writing. Looking back, it wasn't a positive thing, but at the time, I mm-hmm. thought it was cool and awesome. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But both of them both of them had the attitude, this is professional quality writing, why aren't you being a professional? Right. And don't give me your age as an excuse. Yeah, and it's so I published... Go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead, finish. I published nine romance books before I turned 23. Wow. And then I haven't gone back to romance since. Then I worked 20 years as a ghostwriter, and now I'm trying to become an independent. Mm-hmm. Well, I am an independent, but I'm trying to become successful as an independent. Right. Sure. Right, right. So I get told that I have too much ego because I know the quality of my, my work. Mm-hmm. Because I know the quality of my work. I submitted yeah. a story to somebody to edit, and they kicked it back with the standard, oh, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do that. And I'm like, you just followed a template, a checklist, and it has nothing to do with this story. Mm-hmm. Right. And they thought that I was just you know, giving pushback as a young writer, and it's like, no, I know. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. When this I, story is written in a romance voice, your, your advice does not apply. I, it always bothered me when when I thought I was... I wanted to be a writer, and I spent, you know, months in a coffee shop writing mm-hmm. and and more reading books about writing. Yeah. <laughs> and it always bothered me, when, you know, when it's like, you know, here's the, you know, here's the template, you know, this story beat and this story bit, and this has to happen on this many pages. This is especially uh, true of um, script writing, right? Yes. It's like, you know, they're telling you, like, okay, you got to do, and it always it always made me bristle that, like, I don't got to do anything that you're... Yeah. You, you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're... It, it, but I think that might be a character flaw of mine. It's like, as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you tell me, you have to do... Then I'm like, oh, no, fuck you. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to show you. I'll do it different. <laughs> well, it's, it's... I like... Go ahead. Go ahead. I like writing cross-genre. I like taking a romance voice and putting it in space opera. There you go. Sure. Which has actually become popular all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, I like writing horror in a literary voice. They're different voices. Sure. And when you cross the two voices, or writing horror with a mystery voice. Right. Or writing horror with a romance voice, where your character is in love with the horror that's happening to them. Sure, sure. And, and I'll write that, and then the editors, and they can't break out of the box. Yeah. It yeah. has to be one or the other. To the point where I actually have nonfiction editors half the time doing my editing mm. because I don't want to come up against that wall. Right. Because if my readers like it, my readers like it. If my readers don't like it, my readers don't like it. I'm right. writing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, in the end, it's like, especially these days where things like publishing have become so democratized and, and that kind of thing that where you, you, can, you can say this is the way this is going to go down and reap the benefits or right suffer yeah. the consequences yeah um uh i routinely with my when my stuff comes back edited i, I routinely go nah you're wrong <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> you know um and and usually and you get that one point where they're right yeah and you're like damn it yeah i, know. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a cyberpunk that i'm working through the edit on and i'm a slow edit but i sent it off to my my one editor and she kicked it back with you have this plot hole Mm-hmm. And usually the plot hole isn't a plot hole because I like to leave things till the tell. Sure, sure. So it'll look like a plot hole, it'll look like a plot hole, and then there's a reveal. Right. And she's like, you have this plot hole. And I'm like, no, I, oh, I do. 
Yeah. And it goes through the entire damn book. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. now you have to change everything. Well, I've got to go through and rewrite that entire, yeah. On on the first zombie book, I had a guy come back and go, because it's told in this jumpy time frame. Right. He comes mm-hmm. back and goes, my suggestion is to pull it apart and put it back together linearly. And I'm like, I, yeah. oh, well, we're, here's your money. Thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, my one space opera starts with a flashback and then goes to a forward and then goes to a flashback and then goes to another planet and then goes to a flashback and then goes to a forward and then goes to a ship and then goes to another planet. And half of the readers that read it before I published it were like, um, can you just do this like straight line? Mm. No, I can't do a straight line. That's, That's not what the story is. It's part of the trick. Can you just do this one POV? It's mm-hmm. a space opera. You have 23 characters, five planets, and seven ships. Yeah. That's what space opera is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I thought it was a romance. Well, that'll teach you yeah. to think. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know, I get really shitty about it because it's like, no, I don't. Your, your expecta- the reader's expectations are important, but in the end, you're in my car. Right. <laughs> yeah. You didn't put a seatbelt on. That's your fucking problem. Right, right, right. Because I yeah. think in the end, I I like to think, and maybe this is me blowing smoke up my own ass, that I'm I'm serving a higher higher. Uh, uh, obligation than just fucking amusing you. It's like I'm trying to make a point here and I'm trying to well, get you someplace. It's a dance, right? Whenever you tell a story, it's a dance between you and the it's audience. Rumba. And you're 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 uh, you're you're serving yourself, mm-hmm. but you're also serving your audience. Yeah. It reminds. It's the thing we talked about with the shiplets. Signing the park with George. There's a line in the song that says. Uh, mapping out a sky, what it feels like mapping a sky. Right, exactly. And that I don't share with anybody. That's right. mine. That's your. Yeah, and I'm yeah, certainly yeah. not making money at this. That's my reward. That's my intangible reward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested always in process and the idea. Like, let's talk. I want to talk about an idea. Like when an idea for a story hits you. Like me, it always makes me laugh. If it makes me laugh, I know I'm onto something. Well, sure. Um, is there that moment for you, not the laughter, but some other feeling like, yeah? I think that having started out as a ghostwriter, that I look at it differently. To me, there's an endless number of stories. Mm. You can give me any subject, any voice, any time frame. You can give me the outline, and I can write you the story. Okay. Every now and then I come up with my own ideas, just out of the blue. They're usually dreams. I, I wake up from a dream with the story fully formed. Mm. I've been working in the same space opera, cyberpunk universe. 90% of my stuff is written in that universe. You just can't tell because you can't see the connectors since the early 90s. So I, I have the Bible for that just absolutely down. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell me I want a story about, and boom, it's done. Do you ever feel, does this ever happen to you where it's like, okay, this this is my wheelhouse. I, I'm, I feel good in this area. I feel in control. I've done this a lot. Do you ever f- get that feeling or that need where it's like, I want to do something that I've never, you know, like, you know, yeah. uh, where, where it's a challenge, right? It's like, oh, uh, I've never done, I don't know, uh, uh, historical fiction, or whatever it might be. I, do, do you ever get that feeling? So... A couple years ago, we had three deaths in the family in short order. And up until then, I had been writing five to 6,000 words a day, every day, for 20 years. Okay? Mm -hmm. I write. I write a lot. 
we had a bunch of deaths. Then I got diagnosed with the celiacs. And with the celiac diagnosis, my arthritis went away, which meant 80% of my pain went away, which means my excuse to sit in the chair went away. Mm. And at the same time, somebody challenged me to write a cyberpunk noir in a single POV because I'd never written a story with only one character, you know, one point of view. And that's really? hard. Yeah, that's super hard. It's really hard. And cyberpunk noir is really hard because you do have those beats of humor that you have to get in at the right spot or it falls flat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I started writing it. And I was six chapters in when the third death happened and the celiac's diagnosis happened and the arthritis went away. And then we're moving and then this and then that. That was the hardest book I've ever written. Mm-hmm. It's still an edit two years later. I'm yeah. still working my way through through making sure it's of a quality I'm willing to put out there. And, yeah, it was hard, and it was on a whim, and it was during a very tumultuous time, and I'm not writing 5,000 words a day anymore because I lost the habit while working on this because it was written one sentence at a time, not one chapter at a time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't recommend that to people. <laughs> Stick with what you know works. Yeah, you know, it's so hard because I, I periodically will, will A, go, I'm going to write in the second, third, or first person or whatever. And I'm just not, it's just horrible. I'm terrible at it. So, uh, I always lean on, I'm a big fan of like the 60s tough guy stuff. And so, yeah. uh, as I'm reading through that stuff, I'm going like, oh, you, you, th- these guys, Don Hamilton seems to like third person. <laughs> so we can do that. Um, uh, and I wish I was better at it. I was, wish I was better at some of the nuts and boltsy stuff. And I go back periodically yeah. and reread through grammar books and punctuation. Sure, and, stuff and like it's, that. Hard, it's, it, it's the know, tools. It's your toolkit. It is right? the toolkit, and you're always you're always trying to sharpen your tools. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like you know we're we're on a, a we're on an ever decreasing timeline, and so you know how much time do I want to spend? Well, I yeah. asked. I asked the Barker that once, and Barker said, at some point, you have to look at what you're working on and says, this is as good as this is going to get right now. Right. And put all of your energy and all your new ideas into the next thing. Sure, sure. Otherwise, like I, I have a friend right now, he's been working on the same book literally since 1978. Right. And he's yes, never going to finish it. Yeah, he's never going to finish it. It's a good book. I had a, I had a friend that was, is still writing the same book she's been writing for 30 years. And she's never going to get anywhere with it. And what they do and the writing she has done is good. Mm-hmm. And what they don't understand she, is drift, right? The little change you make today has it's echoey through your your whole piece, and right. then you change it today, and then a week later you come back and you look at it again, and you go, "Oh wait, why? Well, I don't remember changing that, but I'm going to change it to this." Yeah. And you're constantly changing parts on your car. It's, it, it, it reminds me of like you know when. You know, uh, uh, you know, some janitor passes away, and then somebody goes into his apartment, and then there's this giant art project. Oh yeah, that he's been working the, on. The guy that's in the Smithsonian. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's something. I call it the comma dance. You go through and you line edit, and you change all the commas, and then you go through and you line edit, and you change all the commas, and then you go through and you line edit, and you change all the commas. That is so funny. Yeah, it's the I, comma do, I do it with clauses. 
looking outside. No, 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 no. He looked outside. <laughs> and you just move him around. And, and for, fortunately, my first draft is always very, very high. And so uh, I forget things. <laughs> I forget, like, oh, I... So it's hard. I make it harder on myself. It's bad, but you know, it's like I'm. I'm, I'm wondering about reaction to market. Um, I know that after my first, the first book came out, I got a lot of heat from how many times um, the F word was used, uh, and my argument was they were fighters. That's how fighters talk. Um, but since then, it, I always hit them like, like, like. Uh, trying to leave a, a parking lot against the grates on your tires. Sure. You keep snagging on these, like, I want to say fuck you, but I, I don't. You, you, you wind up second-guessing yeah. yourself because yeah, yeah. of how that. Do you, how do you feel about that? Re- reacting, having, listening to your market and reacting to it as opposed to uh, uh, just um, telling just, the story you want to just tell. Just blowing jazz. <laughs> yeah. So I, have, so I have my little collection of the the hobgoblins and the human zombie apocalypse and it's got a cute cartoon cover of a human zombie eating a frog (laughs) with a hobgoblin (laughs) dropping a boot on its head it's called after hours and in this book several of the little hobgoblins and gremlins cuss because they're adults yeah and And they're in the zombie apocalypse (laughs) and they cuss yeah and Shoot, I have zombies. Had, yeah. <laughs> Dang. I had one person call me out on their blog that this children's book has cuss words. Oh. And I had somebody else call me out on my Facebook page that they can't believe how many cuss words were in. There's only like four cuss words total. Two of them are Christ, one of them's hell, and one of them's damn. <laughs> okay. But I have gotten called out over and over and over again. And I've had people say, well, if you just eliminated the cuss words, I could recommend this to my children. Mm. And my comment is always, did you read the stories? Did you actually read them? Because I don't think they're kids' stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not going to change things. I had one flash so, fiction that I did that got rejected by a magazine because the drill sergeant character got in the face of, of one of the new recruits and cussed him up one side and down the other and shoved him backwards. And sh- this is a, a space opera. It takes place on another planet, okay? And she rejected it because drill sergeants don't do that. Her brother was in the Air Force. Oh, stop it. Oh, please. I was... Oh, my God. And my... I went back... I was in the Navy, and when I was in back then, drill sergeants did that. Yeah. How, and this isn't human. You ever see Gomer Pyle? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I reacted with with that complaint. I went and did what I called the unfuckified version of the first book. Yeah. And I pulled seven hundred and thirty four instances of <laughs> fuck out. And I know I didn't get them all. And it was down to like you know and I thought, Oh well we'll release one version and then the unfuckified version and um yeah, that never happened. Wouldn't that be awesome if you advertised the book as the Here's the, here's the original, and here's the unfuckified version. I have the unfuckified version, but I think, it, but I hear you. So many people came back and said, didn't see the comedy in someone saying, you know, the the there was an old T-shirt back in the day. Fuck you, you fucking fuck. Yeah. But I know people I to this day that speak like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially people who are are make their money. Punching other people in the face. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> talking about drill sergeants, I, I, it was when I when I joined the army, 
it was a literal shock to my system <laughs> to have this person, you know, uh, yeah, uh, uh, just like hammering me <laughs> with like you know a, a multitude of mm. of curses. I mean, it was like. It was it was it was simultaneously. It makes me homesick for my traumatizing, mom. yeah, <laughs> and freeing. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, I can. So you know, it, it, it reminds me of. Uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Paul? Yeah. So when no, when, okay, oh really? So, so the Seth Rogen thing, Alien. This comedy. This, uh, there's this girl who is um, played by Christian Wig who. Uh, is, is raised super Christian, there's no cursing in her life. And the existence of this alien proves to her that her upbringing was, was wrong. And so she, in this, in this explosion of, like, I'm free now, starts, you know, cursing. And it's like yeah, she yeah, wants yeah. to do everything, right? It, but her curses are all like, Harry... But asshole, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it takes a special person to to cuss well. Oh sure, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's a I li- teach kids new words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a music to it, to yeah, to how, um, and there's a vernacular to it that I think is is kind of kind of, I mean, it's it can be so helpful in betraying character. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, yeah. You can you can load a lot of psychology into what the person chooses to express as offensive. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the things they choose to talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can talk yeah. about someone's walking by or or objectifying someone or, or what have you, and and that tells you everything you need to know about that guy. And yeah. sometimes those little hints will save you a page and a half of you know Captain Exposition. Yes. I used on, to I used to work with a guy that. His, like cursing for him was like he was like Yoda. He mm-hmm. was like the Yoda of cursing, and uh, and it was awesome to hear him go off. The guy that fixed my in-laws' house at one point talked about somebody being nervous, and he goes, "That guy was shaking like a dog shitting pizza," <laughs> and I wanted to hug him. I was just like, I love you so much right now. <laughs> Tom's whipping out his notepad. I did. I'm, all, I'm stealing that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, uh, uh, who's M.A. Shoutus? I notice you do most of your, a lot of your, your stuff with this person. So, M.A. Shoutus is my husband. Oh, I know. Who on Facebook is Alexander Mousheim. Yeah. Tom's like, oh. I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's so a great guy. Is it is it a uh, is it a you do the words? Does he do art or does he help you with the words? He does art. He is a writer in his own. Mm. Um, he hasn't published anything professionally with his name on it. He worked he worked for Lumpanics a long time ago. Okay. And are you familiar with Lumpanics? No. They are one of the people who sold the Anarchist Cookbook. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Along with a lot of other interesting books. Yeah, I used to see their stuff in Shotgun News all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm scouring my... I've got a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. (laughs) He started his Alexander Mousheim nom de plume pseudonym. Uh Uh-huh. Back in the day when writing for someplace like Panics could get you on a government watch list right. because okay. he was already on government watch lists and he figured he didn't want to confuse them. Mm. 
Yeah, because why do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. How is it? Is that tough to work? Like I, I, I did a magazine with my wife, and and it was really hard. <laughs> she wanted to kill me every day. So we have this web comic you might be familiar with, Tales from the Zombie Apocalypse, Living in the Quarantine Zone. It's been on hiatus since 2013. Uh huh. Because we had several deaths in the family, and the artist quit. Oh, no. That's not... <laughs> he, he, he hasn't been doing much for me because it just got to be too much of a stress. Sure, sure. He's done my covers for me because he is a professional graphic artist uh-huh. and a professional hand-drawing artist. Um, right now, I'm waiting on three covers, and I can't publish without covers, and I don't have funds for covers. Mm-hmm. So getting him to sit down and actually do the cover is pulling teeth. Yeah. yeah. He's capable it's just sit down and do the work, dear. Yeah. No, I need to do this. I need to do that. This has to get done. What's the rock saying? Yeah. Focus. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I know. I know. I. Uh, uh, it's it's hard though to, but I think it's it's good in the long run in that you 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 it helped us to be able to go okay, this is one thing and this is another and and not. Yeah. Um, uh, we were we were doing really good. We had a political cartoon for five years, Ockrix and Joe. Mm-hmm. in Tacoma that we had problems in Gamergate hit. We had some, some trolls really mm-hmm. caused some issues, so we shelved the comic. Sure. So then we started the zombie comic. Okay. And the zombie comic was going really, really great. We've got 100 panel or 100 issues, whatever. They're three-panel comics, 100 of them done. We completed the story arc. I've got 10 years worth of comic storyboarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's written 10 years, one, one or two a day for 10 years written. Wow. I can't draw to save my life. I can storyboard and stick figure and that's it. Mm-hmm. So at some point, when life settles down a little bit more, we'll get back to it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, tell me about attending cons. Do you find that to be a beneficial thing for you? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that I can answer that. I haven't done that many in this last two years because, as you saw on Facebook, we've been traveling and things have been happening. Um, okay. I don't right, see a bump right, in right. sales. I get, I get a bump in ego. I get the the confidence restored, the focus restored. People actually respect me. People came to my reading, mm. that kind of thing. Right. And I get to see friends. Yeah. Right. But. It's a huge expense for very little financial payback. Right. I, so I don't. I'm. I'm still assessing it. It's like okay, Crypticon. I went to Crypticon five years in a row. I applied to be a panelist five years in a row, and I've never been accepted. Hmm. We've paid for multiple booths at a time. Wow. Right. We've. We've. You've seen me at Crypticon when we were doing our events. We had a huge presence. Right. I've never been given professional credit. Cur- uh, courtesy. Hmm. So, am I going to Crypticon this year? No, I can't afford a booth. Yeah, it's all of it can be like cons in general. Like people will go like uh, you know, drag, you should, uh, Dragon Con. You know, Dragon Con right. would be really good but for was, you. But Dragon Con is in Atlanta. It always blows. Yeah, that's a thousand right. dollar investment. Yeah, yeah, it always blows my mind when uh, people who aren't vendors and they're not panelists, they're not guests. You know the fans, the the the, the convention goers. 
go like I, what job what world do you live in where you can afford to go to this con and that con mm-hmm. and that con and, and then yeah. you know and they're like you know you know like one of my friends will hit me up it's like oh my god you got to come to this con it's what blah 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 and i'm like i i work <laughs> you know i have to work that day well, i feel like if and, if if it if the, I believe in intangible reward. Sure. And so sometimes, you know, pressing the flesh, having a beer with someone at the bar, um, and... Sometimes you know, that's enough. Sometimes that can get you an agent. Sure. It can get you uh, a spot in an anthology. Yeah. Um, uh, because, like most industries... Publishing is and writing is it can come down to who how good you are, but also who you know, right? And who's getting absolutely. Grace. And um, yeah. if you're not good at that social dance, as I raise my hand, it can be. Envy. It's like oh, it's more of a. It should be. It shouldn't be. It should be more conversation and not so much a mugging, Tom. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, what's your elevator pitch? My elevator pitch starts with hitting the red button. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So I look around the country and I try to find. I try to pick and choose. You know, I, sure. Crypticon. There's a lot of my friends are there. Crypticon and that's makes the, sense for us because it's, it's so close. And yeah. And and. But the other ones, like even like um, the ones in Portland, can be. It's a trek. It's a oh yeah. Hour that's, trek. that's a whole. Okay. We'll figure if, if for us, uh, we're up. By the border, uh, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so, so say there's some awesome thing happening in Portland. That's a whole day's travel, mm-hmm. you know. So, so there's there. there's one day. Mm-hmm. Plus you got the con days. Plus you got a whole day's travel back. Hotel. It's, it's food. not a. It's not a little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do Norwest Con though, yeah. I do Norwest Con as a panelist. Mm-hmm. I've never yeah. done it. You should do it um, just for once. It's a, it's a good professional convention. Mm-hmm. Oh, that lets yeah. me out. <laughs> Tom's like, oh, screw that. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> NorwestCon, I know I'm going to get, how to say it without getting snickered at, intellectually stimulated. Mm, sure. I'm going to meet people smarter than me. I'm going to get to sit on a panel and talk to somebody who's got three PhDs in a field that I really want to learn about. Mm-hmm. Right. And why the heck did they put me on this panel with them? Mm-hmm. You know, and I can listen to these people talk on a subject that I know from my level, which is, is very, very pedestrian, to their level, which is very rarefied, and then the next person over has got a completely different perspective on that topic. Right. right. And the quality of panelists... For the most part, at NorwestCon makes NorwestCon worth going to me, mm. which is funny to say because for years I hated panels. Mm, right. Okay. For years I hated it because you got a bunch of people up there just yakking. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I can't focus if I'm in the in the audience. My ADD, I can't focus. Mm-hmm. I can't stay focused for an hour on people talking in front of me. If I put on a TED talk, I stop it every five minutes, <laughs> and yeah. half the time rewind because yeah. I miss something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I tell you, well, I when, go ahead. Finish your thought. When you're on a panel, it's different. It's a conversation, and you almost forget that the audience is there. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, to me, NorwestCon is worth it. I don't think that I would ever do NorwestCon in the vending room because mm-hmm. it's too full of people who've been there forever. Mm-hmm. 
And I might do the art panels. I might put some art in. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Mm. But NorwestCon, NorwestCon's worth it when it's a day trip. I don't know that I put the money. To go to NorwestCon right now from Portland would cost me 500 to to $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, I sold three books. Mm. Right. Okay. Now, I got to see them sell during panels. So that was kind of cool because, you know, there's no book sold, and then there's a book sold. Right. So that, that's, that's positive, mm-hmm. but I sold three books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a reading that I didn't advertise at all because I didn't actually know that I was going to be there till the last minute. And I had 35 people show up, half of which I recognized from the previous reading. Nice. Okay. Like, hey, people came to hear what I have to read, and I'm not prepared. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Readings can be so, so hard, yeah. you know? Because um, yeah. I always feel like, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk. <laughs> um, That's, for me, I have the two different styles. I have my space opera long-form books, and then I have my flash fiction. Mm. And I write my flash fiction in a very hip-hop, very hardcore voice. So it's a thousand words of cyberpunk. There's one story about building the space ladder, and it's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And I look up, and the audience just looks shell-shocked. <laughs> That's... And I'm just like, is this good or is this bad? Yeah. Yeah, because they're not expecting a hip-hop voice. that's your poetry. (laughs) That's your poetry. I've had people tell me that. I got reviewed in the Transmotion Journal, which is out of the University of Kent. I got a literary review for my zombie porn and one of my space opera stories. Do you have zombie porn? I have zombie porn. I have zombie porn. Everybody has. No, I sold. True, I sold my has. zombie porn story to a filmmaker for a thousand bucks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Just I, saying. Cool. We still haven't seen okay. it, but. I, <laughs> I, I have a zombie story for fi- with has, that has firefighters that come across two zombies having sex. <laughs> it's zombie porn. Oh. Yeah. And I'm old school enough in romance that I call a lot of the modern erotica or modern romance that they're calling urban romance. Thirty years ago, that would have been porn. Yeah, sure. It would yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. Star. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I call it porn, and then they get get huffy at me. I'm like, it's no, porn. Sorry. You have penetration. It's porn. Right. What are the yeah. best? Speaking of zombie porn and penetration, Elizabeth Massey's a bed. By the way, is I want to. I want to swim fast. I want to. I want to back up for a second and say. Only on the bonus material podcast will you have a, a sentence like, speaking of zombie porn and penetration. <laughs> <laughs> but is it literary zombie porn? It's exactly. really good. It's in the it's in the um, uh, Skip Inspector uh, Book of the Dead. So I think it's in the second one. Nice. Um, Ryan L- L- Lesky made a film of it. Phil Nutman was oh, yeah, the yeah. producer on it. Wow. And um, it's really good. It's about a... A uh, ma- woman who's married to a man, and they live with her. His mother, he dies, and mom, mom wants a grandchild. Oh, and it's, it is something <laughs> else. You brought up the anth- the trans anthology. Can we talk about that? The what? The trans anthology that you um, contributed to, and and your your relationship with the trans community. Can we talk about that? Okay, I didn't actually get into the trans anthology. Oh. Oh. So, no. <laughs> so, hold on a second. <laughs> so, we can talk about it. It's almost a non-starter. 
Okay, well, never mind, never mind. Okay, well, well, I have a... Well, no, we can talk. I'm, I'm so, hold on. I, I'm, let's, let's go. We're going to come back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now we're back. Now we're back. <laughs> All right. It's 55. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, as a transgender person, how much of that voice do you find important to your stories, or is it not important at all? So I'm going to take a step back from that. I am Choctaw Native American, and within my particular form of Native American, my particular nation, we have what's called Two-Spirit. And Two-Spirit is the belief that some people are born both man and woman. Right. I am a Choctaw Two-Spirit. Gotcha. When I was younger, I had the decision that I was going to transition from female to male. I went on hormone therapy, and it triggered just a huge number of estrogenic cancers. Wow. These days, they screen genetically, so if you have that genetic marker, you can't start the hormones. Gotcha. So it doesn't happen anymore, but for me, it was two years of cancer therapy, cancer surgery, chemo, the whole routine. From that point forward, I have to take progesterone to keep my estrogen under control, which means I have huge honking tits, excuse me, (laughs) <laughs> that I get dysphoric on Facebook about from time to time. Sure. And I can never transition to male hormonally because of this. So while I identify as trans, in the trans community it's problematic because they don't like to recognize that there are failed trans, that oh. some people can't transition. It's the same as when I say I used to be a vegan and my vegan friends all put their little fingers up and hiss at me. Right, 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 right. Because there's no such thing as a former vegan. And it's like, well, yeah, I had malnutrition. I had to go off. I I have to eat meat and dairy. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's not true. There's this other vegan form you can do. No, it almost killed me. It's disappointing and at the same time, I don't know, enlightening or or affirming um, when you realize that there are dicks everywhere. As far as, like, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what community. I have a friend who who has a trans child, and uh, they moved to, they specifically moved to a different school district because uh, there was a larger trans community in in the school Mm -hmm. district. And 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 the transition. And they thought, yeah, and they thought that this is going to help, you know, their child. And instead what happened was the, 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 uh, the other trans kids were like, ostracized their child because their parents were so accepting. Oh, you don't know the real struggle. You know, and and it's like, oh my God, you know, it's like uh, how frustrating it must be, Mm -hmm. you know, to to have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, what's really hard for me is is that I, I, I have lived my life trying to, I, I see people as blanks. Yeah, yeah. And until you bring it up, I don't see. I try not to see gender or race or any right, other right, stuff. Right. You're just a, a person, right? And how you express yourself is you expressing yourself through that through that specific anatomy. Exactly. And I'm okay with that. And I, I just don't understand when I hear stories like this that the weird tribalism and the weird like right. You don't make the cut. Even it's like that, it's like nationalism. Almost. Yeah, in a, like, in a really weird way. Yeah. Look look at animals, and look at the animal kingdom when. A bird is born with the wrong color feathers, it gets picked to, pecked to death. Right. It gets thrown out of the nest. Cats will do it, dogs will do it. We have an instinctive need 
to homogenize our surroundings. Mm -hmm. Whatever our culture, whatever our tone, whatever we are, it's basic psychology that there's a knee-jerk programmed response to get rid of the other, to attack the other. Sure. Kids are the worst. That's why we make jokes about child's play being the most evil thing there is. Right. Kids are the worst. Your friends did the right thing. Have you seen the, the, the math on why the CDC came out and said let kids transition? No. When I wanted to do it, way back in the day, it took seven years of counseling, two years living as, two years on hormones, and then an option of surgery. It was a 15-year almost million dollar time investment that most people skipped and went to Mexico and got the drugs. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is why people like me got in trouble because we didn't do it under medical care. Right. Um, the CDC commissioned a study and they found that, okay, my numbers are rough. Don't quote me on the exact number, but it's close. The CDC found that approximately 80% of teenage suicides were directly linked to gender or sexuality. It breaks my heart. Yeah. Okay. It really does. And if you have family support, then a gender dys dysphoric or sexually exploring child with family support, that suicide rate dropped to 4%. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the school supports the kid or the, the, the kids at school are nice. It's just if the parents at home support the kid. Sure. Mm -hmm. You go from 80% to 4%. Yeah. How important and the is CDC it? said, you know what, we got to do something. And how important is it just to, I always I talk about, uh, just see me. Not see me as what you want me to be. Right. Or what society yeah. thinks I should be. Just see me as what I am. It's like, Mom, Dad, this is me. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't understand. I, it's, I've never understood. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, you know, it, I, and I, maybe I'm pulling this out of my ass here, but um, it, is it getting better? I mean, when you have artists, you know, like Caitlin Kiernan is trans, and, and well, I, trans, and so I, I, is it getting easier? To I'm me, completely naive on this, and I, I'm, I'm wearing that like a shield, sure, sure, <laughs> trying to protect myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm, I'm paranoid. I, I, it's one of my diagnoses. Is I get paranoid. I squirrel up on this. I worry that we're getting a false sense of it's better. Mm. The Trump election especially, yeah, that there could be a backlash. Because I think that it's fine and open and dandy if you're in a nice metropolitan area. Right, right. I, I Go ahead. It's dangerous when you get into the small town, when you get out of the, the municipal. Yeah. Well, Matthew Shepard, right? Huh? Matthew Shepard, right? In, in the yeah, Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I pass 99% of the time as female, but my friend Chris and I went to a casino somewhere by the ocean, and first the guy served me. Now, they didn't serve me because they think I look like a man. They served me because they think I'm a male-to-female transition. Sure. Okay, because I don't pull off female that well. I never have. I'm butch. Mm. But the guy served me, and then they gave me the check. And there were all the social cues that this person's perceiving me as male. All the while, he's over there whispering with his buddy and looking at us. Mm, right. And it's like, okay, this is a problem. Now I'm going to be worried walking back to my car. Right. Well, that's what that's what I was going to say is that it it, it reminds me of um, 
of of race issues mm-hmm. in that yeah. in that it's easy uh, in a particular time period to go oh this is all resolved it's, you know everything's fine yeah, you know, racism's yeah. over yeah, yeah 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 and then something happens and yep. then you realize holy shit we're just it's not and you see the hic- I we see the hiccup all the time because with my wife and I I'm an idiot and so, like, we go to buy, we go to look at a car, and right. they talk to me, and it's like, I'm an idiot. Don't talk to me. Talk to her. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. the one that's, and it's so hard to retrain them to go like, listen, man, this these roles aren't 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 what you expect, and right. you need to roll with them if you want this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, does does all of that affect? Does it all sort of? Well, of course it does. Go go into your writing, but it, it, it yes. helps. It helps shape the lens. Yeah. So one of my pet peeves is the whole attitude that's being promoted right now that we need more diverse stories, where they're encouraging everybody and anybody to write minority characters. Mm. And I kick back at NorWestCon this year and say, no, we need more diverse writers. Agreed. Why is Joe Blow over here with his 16th book writing a Native American character when I'm on a panel with five Native American writers who can't sell their books... Because right. you don't like our voice. The worst. You don't want a Native American writer. You want a white character written Native American. Mm-hmm. Right. It's. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say that um, there's nothing worse than a white writerly type guy writing. Well, yeah, urban exactly. Speak. I, I call it the Jesus complex, right? Yeah. In that people go, oh yeah, Jesus. I know Jesus. It's that guy that looks like Ted Nugent, right? <laughs> and it's like, like Jeffrey Hunter. Wait a minute, no. Like, yeah. He was born in yeah. the Mideast. But and, you, you yeah. get that weird, like that Barbara Billingsley airplane, I speak jive moment <laughs> happening. And you're like, what yes. are you doing? <laughs> right. Or or he, watch, reading a straight man write a gay character. Right. It's like, dude, just... when I When I first started writing Never a Good One, I was writing. I wanted to do. I wanted to do a whole biography of Charlie Berger, but I realized that's boring. I wanted. I want to do it as Charlie Berger's wife. There's the real story. There right? you go. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. having, being married to this gangster. And then I realized partway through, I'm like, I have no idea. I, like, I, I have no idea. How Pat said, "There's nothing funnier woman. than a man yeah. writing from a woman's writing mind. a woman." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things. One of the things I use to explain that to people is military, when you're writing military fiction. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell, within a short period of time, how high up the rank chain the writer made it. Sure. Is this person enlisted? Are they, are they a sergeant, NCO? Are they an officer? Are they higher officer? Yeah. Okay. I was a naval cadet who served active duty as a naval officer. I have no perspective on the enlisted men. But I know how they think... Because you're trained as an officer to know how they think. Mm-hmm. Right. But enlisted men, especially low rank, you know, your, your, your privates and your corporals that never got farther, four-year enlistments, they think they know how officers think. They think they know how sergeants think. And they'll write a character from that perspective. And it has nothing to do with how a sergeant or, or a gunny or an officer thinks. Or they'll write a captain with a lieutenant's personality. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and you cannot explain it well, to them. Mm-hmm. It, well, it, exactly, because uh, it, the enlisted inherently, due to their early experience in the military, have a um, they have a negative view of the NCOs and the and the COs, and. Um, even if but they, they also even, have a god complex. Well, exactly. They also have a god complex. Yeah, and 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 no matter how much they try to like, you know, oh, I'm going to make this, they don't get it, and because yeah. there's that inherent part of them that's always like, oh, that butter bar, you know, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, you know, he does, he hasn't been out here, you know. I've never heard butter bar. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm writing that down. <laughs> butter uh, bar is a good one. Yeah. 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 It, it's. They'll, they'll One of the things I hit on recently is I have friends in Antifa. I have friends that are socialists. I am very politically active. I'm not going to express half of my opinions because they don't necessarily always line up with what I post on Facebook. Sure. But I have a friend who's a Marine who is hard-charging, anti-socialist, all socialism is evil, how can you dare align yourself with Antifa? And I'm telling him, and this is on an open Facebook conversation, so I'm trying to be discreet about it. It's like, I was an officer. I was a medical officer. I worked in psych. Mm. I worked in intelligence. Of course I'm going to be part of Antifa. <laughs> and he's like, I can't see how you would... And he, could not get it through his head. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, I'm in snack block, which means I know three days in advance of every single thing Antifa does. And if I support it, I show up, and if I think it's going to get violent, I know to not be there. Right, right. This is what you do. Yeah. It's not, could not get through to him. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's not only writers, too, but it's also, you know, you run into that stuff with um, with editors. I had a situation where in the new book, group of people, mixed gender, guy comes out and says, all right, guys, and the editor came back and goes, and can't girls. Call them <laughs> and I'm like, no. No, nobody <laughs> says that. Guys. Yeah, no. I, and I just asked, instead of arguing, I just sent back a note that said, were you ever in the military? No. All right, well, then we're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. one of those, skip. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In my zombie porn book, in the very opening scene, well, second scene, the fire um, captain addresses everybody as guys, and the female character has a running monologue in her head about the sexism. Mm -hmm. And it's just her tuning out everything that's going on. You know, of course it's going to say guys. God forbid he should call us ladies. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, as as a soldier, you are, to that commanding officer you you're genderless you're just yeah people that you are you're a a yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah. it's the guy I, I read uh broke his leg in a car accident on leave and um the military was mad because he damaged government yeah. property, property. Yeah. oh my god yeah. that happened to me did it yeah all right. <laughs> that was one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sting, <laughs> finger to the side of the moment. Um, uh, what are you working on now? Right now I'm working on editing the Cyberpunk Noir. Mm-hmm. It's titled Surviving the Transhuman Mechophilia Riots. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> 
there's a reason for the title, uh-huh. but it's in the final edit. It, in theory, should be done soon, but see, we're moving uh, again. Yeah. So it's it's not going to be that done. Then I'm going to do a short story collection of, I have a whole bunch of 1950s, 1960s feeling child horror stories. Mm. You know, kid ghost in the closet kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I have a whole bunch of taking place in the right now psychological stories. Well, a couple of psychological stories. And then I have my space opera cyberpunk universe. Uh-huh. And I want to do the three where you go past, present, future. Oh, oh. cool. Very cool. Okay. So it'll be a collection of half-flash fiction and a couple of longer pieces. i got 25,000 words on it written, so I'm pretty sure of where I'm going with it. Nice. Yeah, nice. so that's as soon as we get moved again. Because we did not plan on moving the last time. Yeah. Not, not, been, not moving out of the Pacific Northwest. No, no. We got accepted into Milepost 5, which is an intentional art community in Portland. Nice. Is, Holy but, crap. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And so we're moving in, and I'm going to be an artist and a writer again for a while. Excellent. And Excellent. hang out pictures. Nice. I'm, um, I'm wondering, um, do you put it, like in your writing, do you, I like to put little things, little reference, yeah. referential stuff or little jokes or whatever. Um, how do you do that? And, and if you do, how rewarding is it to you when people like walk up and go, yeah, I got that. <laughs> I write by telling detail. Okay. The old school style. So... I don't tell you that she hasn't been home in three and a half weeks. I say something about the rust stain on the spoon in the cup. Sure. Gotcha. You know, that, that little thing. I do that also with a lot of political stuff and a lot of psychology. So, yeah, I've had people spot things. In that literary review, he made a comment about there's a scene where the firefighter kneels down and lines up his shot and shoots the guy straight through and then stands up and shoots her in the face. And it's such a throwaway, the character is a huge misogynist. Mm. I put the scene in, it it actually took me like two weeks to to get the math of the scene properly, of the dismissal when he just shoots her in the face. Right. And I wrote that to show that he's a misogynist. Mm -hmm. And at Crypticon, it released like two months before Crypticon. And at Crypticon, this woman walked up to me and she's like, I would have expected you to be a man. I read this. <laughs> and she was mortally offended at how misogynistic this character is. And I'm like, the character's a misogynist. That's his character. Right. Wait for book two. You're really going to love him. Yeah. 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 No? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. No, it, it, I have a huge issue when people compliment me that I always think that they're joking. Sure. And yeah. when people try to engage me, I grew up in the era of Heinlein saying, a writer who self-references has other nasty habits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when people walk up and start talking to me, I deflect instantly. Yeah. Which is about habit. Yeah. And says, like, oh, I really like this. Oh, well, then you really like that. Yeah. And I send them to an updater. My wife, yeah. as my wife says, you got to get over that. Yeah. 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 It's tough. I, it is yeah. hard. It's really it's hard. Tough. Um, it's tough. It's tough to just say, 
thank you. Well, that's what she said. She goes, look, just don't say anything but thank you. Yeah. You know, and that's also very I love when, like in the first zombie book, there's a funeral home called the Howard Fine and Howard Funeral Home, which made me laugh. And no one, and one guy came up to me and he goes, the funeral home was the Three Stooges. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I love that stuff. I love that little, yeah. those little things, just because the one guy that will see you across the room and go, yeah. yeah. The yeah. conspiratorial nod. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> the two things I've loved the most with our webcomic and the, the zombie books that I write are take place in that universe. But with our webcomic, we have some people cosplaying our webcomic. Oh. And we'll see them at conventions. That's cool. That is way okay, cool. So <laughs> the first time that happened, I literally had to run out of the room. Because oh. I had that fight or flight response. And it's like, I, I got to leave. And I ran out, and everybody's like, what's going on? It's like, he's cosplaying my comic. That's my patch. <laughs> wow. Hey, wait a minute. You don't have lighting for that patch. Jesus. The day someone walks up to me with a spike on their arm, I'm just going to have to <laughs> mouth kiss them. <laughs> yeah. So then the first, the first space opera book I have, which is called Obligations, which is book one of three, which book two is completely outlined, and I have to just sit down and get it written. But I wrote that in 1994, and in it I put in a line about visualize world police, but I said visualize world peace. <laughs> okay? In 1994, before anybody else did. Right. At a convention last year, a woman walked up with the exact T-shirt handmade, you know, sharpied. Oh, wow. The exact T-shirt. She says, do you recognize this? Right down to the stain and the, the tear in the T-shirt. I was like, yeah, you read Obligations. She's like, yeah, I really liked it. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. And I turned and walked away. Yeah. It's so Because part of it also for me is when people, I've had um, things where people go, remember when, no, no, don't no. ask me to tap into short-term memory. <laughs> I, 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 I write when I'm half asleep half the time. I can wake up in the morning with three chapters written that I don't remember writing. Oh, wow. Which is cool. Yeah. I enjoy it because it's fun to read the next day. Would but you, I don't necessarily remember it. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, w I was talking, was that last week we were talking about this? About the idea that the right, there is the, you are the writer, and then there is the written word, that you, the, your words. And I think that there, there are two people. There's you, and then there's this, this tapestry of you's over the span of the time that you were writing it and researching it and editing it, and your perception changes every single day, a little bit, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was last yes. week. So there's like this this person, this this voice that is in your books is sort of this amalgam of all of the yous that you were. I feel sure. Like it's no, very no, no, no. Basically, gaze basically, you're 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 not only a multifaceted human, you're a multifaceted writer, Agreed. and each facet, mm -hmm. um, depending on where you're at at the mm -hmm. time that you're writing that, is somebody different. I was, yeah. I was equate first drafts. Do you longhand, or do you go straight into the computer? Um, I do either one. Okay. I write on my phone. I write on the computer. I write on the back of grocery lists. <laughs> I, wherever I'm at, I write. Have you, have, do you, I always feel that that first outpouring, it's automatic writing, if you know what yes. I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. absolutely, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. Well, um, I, I self-hypnotize. So there's a book that was written in the 80s. It's actually a psychology book, 
that I don't 100% recommend unless you're a writer who wants to understand the concept, but I don't recommend it as a psychology book. It's called The Erotic Silence of the American Housewife. Mm. And the writer's name escapes me. But what she did was she interviewed women before and after marriage about how they changed, because women change. Men change, too. Right. But specifically, she was looking at women, and it was in the 80s, so it was much more timely then, about how a woman will have a preconceived notion in her mind about what a wife is. So it doesn't matter who she was before she got married. She turns into a wife. Mm. Okay? We as writers do the same thing. When you're writing a zombie story, you have a preconceived notion of what a zombie writer is, whether you're conscious of it or not, mm-hmm. and you channel that. Right. But if you go to write a Western mystery, you have a different preconceived notion of what a Western mystery writer is mm-hmm. versus a cozy mystery writer versus a romance writer. So as you're writing a story, as you shift perspective, say a romance interest happens for a while in the story, you bring in that romance voice as... As it becomes an action-adventure, you bring in that Chuck Norris persona. You have these personas in your mind programmed from watching Murder, She Wrote, from watching Walker, Texas Ranger, Mm -hmm. from... Yeah, I'm old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mention... Yeah, never mind. Um, So that's the voices that start coming forward. And they're pre-programmed from what you watched and what you saw as a child... That's yeah. what a writer is. Well, I remember when so a kid today would pattern on Stephen King, but we didn't have Stephen King when we were kids. Right. So we patterned on uh, what was Vincent Price. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah, that austere yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, when when, yeah. I, when we were doing Carpenter, I remember every my writing completely changed. It became very purpley and very back of the hand on the forehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have a website? I do. It hasn't been updated since we moved the last time, so it's really out of date, mm-hmm. but I do. And people can find you. Ask me to rem- Stay again. Huh? You're going to ask me to remember what it is? <laughs> no, I would, no. Where can people find your stuff? Where can people buy your books, Sharice? Um, I am on Amazon under Sharice Clayton. I do believe I'm the only one on Amazon under Sharice Clayton, but I'm not 100% on that. <laughs> I'm There's sure. a... There's a WordPress site that is sixpointpress.wordpress.com. And then there's Tales from the Zombie Apocalypse at cartoonistleague.something. And then there's Ockrix and Joe, which is the old, it was a crow cartoon. Um, local politics in Tacoma on Feed Tacoma, but I don't know if that's still available. Okay. And do you, do you welcome people finding you on Facebook? People can find me on Facebook. I have two pages. I have Tacoma, Tacoma Zombie Sharice Clayton, and I have Sharice Clayton page. I am not active on either one of those pages right now, simply because Facebook and pages is not worth the time right, right now. Sure, sure, sure. Because of the way Facebook is. I'm also active on my personal page. I do accept friend requests on my personal page, but don't troll. Don't yeah. troll my friends. Don't troll me. Right. Yeah, don't troll. These days, I'm super... Unfriend and unfollow. I'm very, very cool yeah, with that. Yeah. It's like, eh, yeah. The way I look at it is, yeah. I'm hoping to party and you just chill it's, on my well, floor. It, so. it, I mean, it's it's to the point now where it's like, you only see twenty people's yeah um, things, anyways. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you have to go. My in, big thing. 
my big irk with Facebook is starting in 2011 through 2013, if I had a friend that was doing something, I promoted it. I right. promoted them. I talked them up. I shared their stuff. These days, I only share it if I really, really like it because of the sheer number of shitheads yeah. that I just spent six months saying, hey, this person's got a new book. Hey, this person's doing this. Hey, person's doing that. And then they defriend me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They never shared my stuff. I, I will. I will tell you a story off mic about this. <laughs> okay. I share your stuff all the time because I like I, your stuff. Oh, <laughs> I love. I, you're you're such a great, a good, supportive, great voice on Facebook, and I'm so happy that that we were able to all hook up and and do this. I was uh, you you were on an, on a list, my friend. Yeah, to be one of our guests. So. All right, so for a while now. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a second. Yeah. We always say awesome when we come back, and it's because it's always awesome. It is it's, always it's, awesome. It's so great to be able to to see, um, to get a different perspective, and to, to, and to find hear different out. voices. And mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so important. Uh, moving on to other stuff. Um, it's the return of Dead Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start here. Uh, Bruno San Martino, world uh, wrestling entertainment right legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, passed. Um, Harry Anderson, the uh, Harry from Night Court. God damn it! Yeah, we just heard a little Night Court in, yeah, in yeah. from the break. Yeah. Um, he was such a cool dude. He came out of nowhere and had a big career, and then walked away. Had this, had this quirky. He was, he, he was, he was a fun actor. Mm-hmm. Had this whole magic thing that he had did. this he, whole like uh, Barker thing yeah, going yeah. on, like. Like a kind of a con man, like yes. a pickpocket artist yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. It was very cool. Introduced us the world to John Larroquette. Yep. Richard Mall. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 highlight of that show, I think, was uh, Selma Diamond. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. She, was, a, great. yeah, yeah, she yeah. was awesome. She was. Awesome. I love that show. And so um, he he was fairly fairly young. He was in his what mid sixties. Sixties. Yeah. Uh, that was a drag. Yeah. Super drag. Um, Avicii. DJ, yeah. twenty-eight year old. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, have they said why? I've not. I've not heard anything. It'd be a shame if it was drugs. At, at twenty-eight, like yeah. it, you it got could only either be drugs wonder. or like maybe a congenital heart defect yeah. or that kind of thing. It'll be interesting. Yeah, to, to he was one of those big. Like this is a guy like Tiesto who plays to. Thousands, like like stadiums. It's crazy um, anymore how these guys, you know, DJs. They're superstars. They are. They're they are. They're they're superstars. And 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 you know, with events like Electric, uh, what's the thing they have in Vegas every year? Electric. Oh, E3. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how 
big yeah. of an audience these Oh, these and you guys see these, these this footage of them performing in like South America. Yeah. And it's soccer stadiums full of people. The music all sounds like the opening to Blade to me, but uh, you know, cool. That's, That's well, very cool. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, talking about that, you know, you talk about somebody like um, uh, Moby, mm-hmm. you know, um, who has somehow figured out how to, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, be become even more respected as a musician than than just the guy that spins stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's crazy. Some of that world goes right by me, like Skrillex and a couple of other stuff. It's hard for for, uh, people of a different generation. I shrug and go, yeah, I'm old. That's not for me. It's not meant for me. Uh, Barbara Bush, after um, some reports that she had was deciding to go from um, uh, aggressive countermeasures to palliative care um, and basically just let the disease she had run her course. I remember like what the day before or two days before Mm -hmm. the article came out that she was um, not going to pursue Mm -hmm. um, you know medical treatment and then boom she she was gone. Which leads me to believe that um, she was further she along. She was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, two last ones. I want to hold one for the end. Um, Vern Troyer, just this afternoon, the mini me. Yeah, just this afternoon. Um, don't, I haven't heard cause of death, but yeah. I haven't either. However, the, the official um, announcement speaks to depression and suicide. Oh, that would be sad. That would be really sad. They didn't say specifically that that's mm-hmm. what happened, but it was. It just seemed like an odd thing to put in there if that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And that would be that would be really sad. I just remember him on um, whatever that VH1 show was, where they were all living in one house. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, Arlie Ermy, Gunny from uh, Full Metal Jacket. From, from Full Metal Jacket. I used to watch his. Uh, he had a show, History Channel show, yeah. about. Like he would go do an entire episode on rifles, and yeah. it was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. Very good guy. Um, lot of charity work. Really didn't realize until he had passed away, and I'm reading all this stuff that he was one of the helicopter pilots in Apocalypse Now. Yeah, yeah, that's. Crazy. He worked with a lot with Dale Dye. Yes. and that guy, and yeah. those kind of guys, and then he also uh, uh, he's in. Um, um, he he was an actor, did acting. It was was it Southern Comfort he's in or uh, shoot. one of those Boys yeah, yeah. and Company C maybe. Yeah. Anyway, but um, uh, he was just one of those guys who, in a weird way, <laughs> it always clicked in my head. My mom. Oh wow. And, and Arlie Ar- Ermy are a lot alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was one of those when I saw that he passed, I was like, man, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, and it reminded me of of his great. Uh, scene in um, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners as the uh, oh my god yeah, uh, yeah. as the the soldier keeping the the graveyard together yeah. yeah so that really kind of bummed me out moving away moving on um, Brian Herbert and Kevin J Anderson are being consulted on the Dune remakes um, on the Dune remake that uh, Denny Villeneuve has done yeah. Um, uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson Brian Herbert, son of Frank Herbert um, uh, uh, and Kevin J. Anderson who did a lot of the X-Files books oh wow so um, 
uh, that's cool because it brings uh, it brings two people who are really well versed in the Dune universe in as advisors. Yeah, um, that. In, in my opinion, where where the the past Dune at, uh, film adaptations have failed is that there hasn't been enough of that. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been enough of like you get the idea. You know, that David Lynch is like Dune, cool, yeah, yeah, but you don't really know what's well, going on. I think in order to understand things like the the, the when they make the Water of Life, yeah. having someone there that is able to go, here's how this started, and here's how back in the books that we did ten years ago, um, where that, what we did, and then you can either take it or leave it. Or right, right, right. But I think it's a good move on their part. Uh, Amy Schumer has a new movie out this week called I Feel Pretty. Mm -hmm. Universally, it's getting panned. Yeah. Um, they announced that she's doing a boxing biopic of Chrissy Martin because when I think boxing, I think Amy Schumer. It's a it's a drama role, not funny. There's no jokes. Straight up, she's gonna go box. Okay. I, maybe that's what she needs to do. Maybe because, you know, I, I wouldn't that be something if she delivered like a million dollar baby? F she she. She's one of those people that strikes me as like, you're a likable person. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what you're doing though. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I think a lot of there's a lot of backlash. There's a lot of accusations of joke theft with her. Right. And um, and you know it's it's people. I think people being people, they love to elevate someone really quickly, sure. like they did with her, and then they start chipping away at the base. Right. Right. And that's right. too bad. Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Won a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> For some record. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that. I don't either. It, it, it makes you... Yeah, I, I get that they're, they're, that I get that it's cool that um, this particular uh, um, culture is being recognized in, in that way. Mm -hmm. I, but it also makes me go... Well, what is the Pulitzer Prize now? You know what I mean? It's like, right. it, um, I know that, you know. And he, is it the Pulitzer pandering to go like, well, we should probably let do a well, hip hop thing and right, right, make right. us cool again? Right. Maybe. I don't know. I, um, you know I, I, I haven't heard the record. I'm I'm curious. I don't like what I've heard of Kendrick Lamar. Right. That, But that's just me. Well, you know, he's been doing different things. He he did, you know, he did the um, the soundtrack. Um, for uh, Black Panther. Black Panther. Yeah. So, I, I get it. I guess. Mm. I don't, again, I, I I feel like I can't really comment on it because it's 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 not my. I I yeah. don't I don't know enough about it. Yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like it's, it's, just, it's, it's outside weird. of my experience. It's just one of those sentences that you think it sounds like you you were picking words out. Of <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the Will, William Burroughs cutout method of writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, do you remember Ed Screen? He was the villain. He played Ajax in the first Deadpool. Yes. He had he was given the role in the new Hellboy, and then he turned it right. Down. He, yeah, he turned it down. And everyone and we was were all kind of like, what? very cool. What a very cool. Movie. And a lot of people were saying that, um, what you know, that's that's brave of him because you never know when you're going to work again. Right. Well, he's going to be in the Maleficent sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, that's all. There's a Maleficent sequel. Yeah. 
Of course there is. Of course now, there is. Now, we both liked that movie. Yeah. Do you think there's a sequel there? Absolutely not. No. I, I think there is a sequel, and it's called Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe that's what they're doing. I don't maybe. know. I like, I do like, I like a lot of what Maleficent played with. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the iconography of taking her wings and rape and that kind of thing. Yes. Was really. Oh, yeah. Smart. It was, it's, it's, it's a good movie. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, Spielberg, and go ahead. I was just going to say, the Rick Baker stuff with her makeup was, like, so cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Spielberg's doing DC's Blackhawk, which looks, it's kind of like a Rocketeer kind of thing. Very, yeah. almost steampunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird way. Um, it's a comic book, so I didn't expect you to say anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Well, for I, a guy who shit all over superhero movies, it's funny to watch him suddenly be doing a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Guillermo del Toro joins DreamWorks Animation to write and direct so new this, properties. I, I'm torn because I, you know, any as we've as we've discussed on here many times, anything you give that guy, I'm like yes, go, mm -hmm. boom. Um, I hope that it doesn't mean that I'm not getting my del Toro movies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, well, because they're talking about th these these are children and family films that right. th that he's going to be working on, mm -hmm. which I think he's he's got all the goods, you know. Yeah. But but I want you know I I, I want the movie where he one of well the how much of it is him him just writing it and sending it off, and then in a couple of months he gets some animation back and goes yeah this and that yeah 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 you know I I don't know maybe. I, I mean, I, I like I say, I'm on board for anything that he does, but I, 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 I hope that it doesn't turn into, you know, that he's he's the new, I don't know, Disney, and and I'm not getting the the, the you know, one of the things that he, that his movies are really really good at is balancing this kind of like childlike wonder with this horrific violence, yeah. you know, um, and. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be present in a DreamWorks animated and film. It, yeah, and especially that they they're out of the box saying that it's for it's family friendly. Yeah. So um, let's that, see. That, that that's different than the deal that he just signed. The other deal. Well, the other deal. That oh, he's, he's signing deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get an Oscar, you start signing <laughs> shit. Uh, Netflix wants to buy its own theater chain. Yeah. Now I wonder. Is this kind of a response to when Spielberg was talking about how Netflix movies shouldn't be eligible for? Well, it, that's um, and and that's the that's the big buzz, right? Is that it's like Netflix arguably is is a major studio now. They're pumping yeah, content. Yeah, out. they 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 are making stuff, and a lot of it is really really good. Mm -hmm. So if you're so if you're the if you're the Netflix guy, and you realize oh. The model hasn't changed yet, mm -hmm. so I still have to show stuff in a theater mm -hmm. in order to get uh, uh, considered for an Oscar. It makes sense, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think that I think that with time, that model is going to change. That that is, they're going to have to. They're going to have to go. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're also accepting films that are just available well, online. Well, there's a big to do now going on between Netflix and Cannes. About what's what what they're considering for entry and all this other shit. Right, right. Um, I think film is film. 
yeah, yeah. Especially these days. And until you get into serialized entertainment, then then we then you then you're legitimate. Now you're talking because you you have so much time to work with. Right. Um, but standalone films, come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read an article this week, and I wasn't it it sound it it wasn't specific about dates. It sounded recent. Jerry the King Waller, you know who he is? He's a wrestler. Yeah. He's the guy that cuffed Andy Kaufman. You were right. On right, right. Show. Yeah. He had a stroke while having sex. Yeah. And I love that story. Yeah. I think if you have to choose a way to go, probably not a bad way to yeah. go. Well, I love that that they were um, okay with saying that. Yeah, they owned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, F. Gary Gray is doing Hasbro's Mask, which was a sort of a knockoff G.I. Joe thing. F. Gary Gray did uh, Darwishaw. I want to say a couple other things. Mm. Um, it's furthering that idea of a Hasbro universe right. that you're going to see more and more yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they released some photos this week of a Netflix series called Maniac, um, Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Right. And I dug a little deeper and I saw that it's a Kerry Fukunaga project right, from right. the first season of who we are uh, big fans of big fans of, uh, first season of true detective yeah i'm excited about that still one of man i, I, I am I'll so go back and i am right there with you so until that la- the finale the finale <laughs> anyway uh, it's funny because we're going to be doing a panel about that very thing that you're talking about as well one of the things that you're talking oh, the, about in the finale the knife thing uh, the yeah. knife thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kingsman Taron Egerton has been cast in a movie called Rocket Man it's a bio on uh, a sanctioned bio on Elton John oh wow yeah I guess Egerton sang in something in some recent oh film. so people are like and oh people shit went, holy shit he can sing yeah and um, so they're going to do an Elton John thing okay uh, David Leach uh, who we were kind of mentioning last week a little bit, the guy who dr- co-directed the first John Wick. Right. Um, doing uh, t- a version of Tom Clancy's The Division with J- Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain. Uh, which I know nothing about. Tom Clancy. It's all very sure. fill-in-the-blanks right, right. kind of a thing. Uh, Mindhunter Season 2 starts production next month. Nice. This is a lot of little tiny That's stuff. That's very cool. Um, heard about a film called Corpse Tub. Uh, directed by Vincent Caldinelli, <laughs> starring Maria Bamford, Brian Posehn, Dana Gould. Wow. A lot of stand-ups. Cult leader kills himself in the bathroom of a, of a house. Uh-huh. Um, the house is sold, and the new owners suddenly are encountering old cult members that are trying to get into the house to kill themselves in the same bathtub uh. they're leaving in. Sounds hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they're just littering it with these stand-ups is, is <laughs> awesome. Uh, Joe Blow contributor Jimmy O is producing a um, Christmas film called Sick for Toys. Uh, Jimmy O has been with Joe Blow forever. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy, super supportive, and it looks like he's making the leap from journalism into film production. Okay, cool. Very cool. Sci-fi ordered Russo Brothers, who did the uh, Avengers Civil War. Right. Um, something called Deadly Class uh, from Image Comics. It's they're going to do um, a series on it. It's uh, it sounds a little like Harry Potter for assassins. Okay. 
Idris Elba doing a Netflix comedy called Turn Up Charlie about a struggling DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so let me get this straight. Wait, okay. <laughs> the guy who's guarding the bridge to Asgard yes. is now a struggling DJ. <laughs> Stop it. That's <laughs> like, wait. The guy who did a whole series on becoming an MMA fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luther is on the ones and twos. <laughs> Stop it. You're you're six three, six four. So stupid. Stranger Things cast Gary Elways uh, as the town mayor. Um, from Saw. Yeah. And Princess Bride. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake Busey. I think that that. I think those are both. Sure. Yeah, they make complete sense. Yeah, absolutely. I love that they cast Jake Busey in the Shane Black's Predator yes. movies yeah. as the son of uh, his dad. Yes. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's gr- that's gr- Dude, I, I'm so on board for Shane Black. <laughs> I know. I know. They, there's been iffy comments being made about it, but I'm, I'm in. I'm totally in. Um, By the way, did you ever see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's so a great good. movie. It's so good. And the other thing that he just they just did with Ryan Gosling and um, uh, the Nice Guys. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, Gremlins three to be a reboot. Sure. Uh, I guess. Well, sure. I, for me, you know me, I, it, it all depends on. How are we going to do the gremlins? Mm-hmm. They're CG little fuckers. I want no part of it. Right. Yeah. And they could, they could be. Yeah. Um, so Vin Diesel decided to, that he really likes two, fr- or he likes three franchises that he's involved with. Fast and Furious, the uh, Pitch Black. And Triple X. And Triple X. So he bought the rights to Triple X. And now Triple X Four is coming, uh, and he's of the mind that wait, there was a Triple X Three. I think Ice Cube is in it, <laughs> so he's in one of them. Ice Cube's in one of them. So now Triple X Four begins production in December, <laughs> and uh, I think we're going to have a lot of Triple X movies coming oh, okay. until someone tranks <laughs> Vin Diesel and. Um, so, <laughs> I'm interested, you know, in the in the newer Guardian, in the new, in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, um, Groot is a teenager. Mm-hmm. Is Vin Diesel voicing that Groot? You know, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he's he just says one word, <laughs> three words, and it's like, uh it's like it reminds me of the old. Uh, Rob Schneider did a bit on the, or David Spade did a bit on the multiple uses of the word dude. Yeah. And it's just, it's yeah. the same thing. Dude. dude. <laughs> um, so, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is getting a, a steel book uh, on Blu-ray that's going to be a Best Buy exclusive. Uh-huh. Um, they're Are they still selling movies? Yeah. Well, last yeah. time I went in there, they... Well, they have them. I think they're doing, they'll have the new release. And uh-huh. the idea that you have to go to Best Buy, and it's it's just really super nice Blu-ray. Cool. Yeah, cool. The original. The original. Uh, okay. Stars canceled Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Yeah. And a lot of people are sad. But okay. a lot of people shouldn't have fucking torrented that shit. Right, exactly. Uh, it, you know, yeah. so I've I've been a, a an off and on again watcher of that series just because 
it's Ash. It's Evil Dead. Sure. It's, it's, it's Bruce Campbell. It's yeah, fun. it's Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And um, uh, while while it is sad, um, I also get it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and there's a lot of stuff that like pop up that like really pique my interest. But you know, at the end of the day, I only got so many hours in the week, and right. and so there's a lot of stuff I don't. Like there was that, there was that. What was that thing that uh, I still haven't seen that I really want to see? It was, I I I don't know if it was a sci-fi thing, but it's about cars that like. Oh, the cars that eat people? No, no, no. Um, it's about the they run on blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Cool idea. I Fun wanna, idea. Yeah, I want to check that out. And don't I, know how that becomes a series. I don't either. But, okay, uh, but it uh, well, it didn't stick around very long. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I want to see it. Yeah. You know, but you know, again, it's like I don't got that much time. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, for a reason I can't figure out, there's another Doom film coming because the first one did so well. Uh, Have you ever seen the fir- that Doom? I I've only watched one sequence out of it because I wanted to see that that uh, that uh, Brian Steele oh. um, um, guy in a suit mm-hmm. um, monster. There's literally a scene in this movie where The Rock is grabbed and it, as he's dragged out of a room to be killed, he says, "I'm the guy that was supposed to live." <laughs> And you can hear, you it's like Naked Gun. You just hear the audience slapping their forehead. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite things about that movie, Feast. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. they're like, who are you? I'm the guy who's going to save your ass. Yank, and he's, <laughs> and he's gone. gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sophia Lillis, Lillis, who was in um, It, yes, was cast is, as a Nancy Drew in Warner Brothers' Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. Okay. I think that's interesting because um, there's a ton of Nancy Drew stuff. Yeah. I every time they tried, I would rather I they probably would have been more successful rebooting it as like kind of a CW thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I this seemed like it was going to be a film from from the article. Huh. Um, but you know, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, right. all of those guys, yeah. Bo- Bob C Twins, even before that. Yeah. So um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. Finally, there's a new He-Man movie coming from Aaron and Adam Nee, who directed Band of Robbers. Maybe we'll finally get the movie that matches the Frank Frazetta poster. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe. 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 Uh, Let's see. Moving on. I'm sorry, the Drew Struzan poster. I gotcha. Yeah, 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 I figured. Um, Moving on to trailers. Uh, the first thing is a <clears throat> World War II drama called The Twelfth Man. That looks really cool. Looks great. Yeah. Um, Swedish? Norwegian? I, I'm not sure. I mean, there was a lot of German language stuff. Yeah. Um, the lead actor was in um, The Tudors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, man, that makeup at the end where oh he, he looks almost like a cadaver. It, it's yeah, it's 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 nuts. It looks great based on a true story. Yeah, very much historical. Yeah. Drama. Next up, Clive Owen, Amanda Seyfried in Andrew Nicole, director Andrew Nicole, um, a movie called Anon. Nicole, or I'm going to think it's Nicole, N-I-C-C-O-L, directed Gattaca. Right. Which makes, and starts to make sense. It's very, it, 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 it's kind of that same kind of thing. We're, we're in this tech future. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, and I don't understand, like, like, is it just Clive Owen or just people who are... I think people in general. I think it's like the Google glasses on steroids. Right, you it's know? like you, you look at people and you automatically see so-and-so. And yeah. this who is they are and, and blah, blah, blah. Stuff. Yeah. But there's one girl that he can't. Kind of a ghost. It reminded yeah. me a little of... Um, uh, was it Surrogates, the Bruce Willis movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little of that. Uh, it, it looks like it wants to be The Matrix really, really bad, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't have the budget for all that craziness. Right. Um, so you have lots of graphics. A lot of graphics. Yes. A lot of... Yeah, I think it, it, it could potentially be solid. I like it's Clive Owen. interesting idea. Yeah. I like Clive Owen, so... Next up, an action thing uh, directed by a guy named Mitch Gould, who's a stunt guy. Um, military sci-fi stars Michael Pere called Battle Drone. Um, you had said when we watched it, Robocop meets what? The Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're going into Chernobyl. I'm not sure why. They're on a mission, and right. it turns out that they've... It's like Predator. They're, they send on a mission. They're really there for another reason. Yes. And, and they find out. There's and a you know battle there, bot there. There's, <laughs> there's going to be... You know there's going to be that Rambo 2 moment where he kicks in the door with the guns right. and he goes... There's a lot of uh, <laughs> action film 101 shots in this Lots trailer. of them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of slow motion bullets coming yes. out of guns yep, and, yep. and chambers People venting magazines <laughs> in. <laughs> Look, I'm sure for a dopey it, Saturday... I'm movie sure it'll be fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next up, Deadpool 2. Um, this looks just more the same. Uh, I, I'm My favorite part is this introduction of this character, Peter. Who is... Normal. Normal. He's, He's a not regular a hero guy. at all. Worse than a regular guy. He looks like it's someone's dad. Um, it's like you take the red stapler guy from Office Space and say, you're a superhero now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hilarious. I love... They say a lot of that stuff that's in the trailer um, isn't going to make it. I don't. I think lighting up Thanos isn't going to make it. into the main thing. Sure. Um, th- there's a lot of that fourth wall stuff that's in the marketing for yeah, these yeah, movies. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, my only fear is like, you know, uh, I love Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of characters in this. Lot. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in it. Well, it's a big payday for Rob Liefeld with X Force. All those characters are Rob Liefeld. Yeah. And, and I understand they're already talking about a spin off on this Domino character. Uh-huh. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just saw uh, James Brolin was being interviewed for. He was in training for Deadpool and uh, Thanos. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about cutting sugar out of his diet. Oh, uh-huh. And how hard it was, and, and sure. what he was eating, and, and how as soon, as soon as he stopped with the sugar, his joint pains. Excuse me. His joint pain stopped. Oh, wow. Yeah, kind of cool. Next up, um, Equalizer. But, uh, the first Equalizer I call the Thinking Man's John Wick. Right. It, it's like this movie was made for for me and you and kind yeah. of like us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a very, uh, uh, you know, it's in the trailer, so I don't feel like it's a spoiler. It's a very John Wickian moment in that the the bad guys mm-hmm. cross a line. Yeah. And uh, they like, don't kill his dog, but they kill his friend. Yeah. They kill somebody they shouldn't have. Yeah. And now it becomes one of those. It's personal. Yeah, it's, it's, and it got me where it's like, how many times are we going to hear, you know you're not going to survive this. And, yeah. Yeah, gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because a lot of the uh, 
I love the martial arts that they're pulling yeah. off in this movie, and it looks great. It does. Um, next up, uh, Hotel Artemis. This is a. Uh, I like this. Yeah, this looks really cool. It feels like it's. It, you had said it, it. It feels like it exists in the John Wick world. The Hotel Artemis could have easily been called the Continental. Right, exactly. And and you, the a lot of the same stuff applies. It's a it's a <laughs> hospital for. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a hospital that's established to take care of you whenever you get shot on your mission mm-hmm. and you need some place to go. And um, it's got Jodie Foster yeah. as, as uh, the nurse. Yeah, and nurse she's slash like, doctor. Yeah, yeah. And she's like doing a bang up job. In Looks great. Yeah. I love that she's not like you see her running down the hallway and she's running like an old, old lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Jeff Dave, Goldblum. Dave Bob- Batista's in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks great. It looks very cool. It, it, it kind of reminded me a little of, uh, of um, like, Joe Carnahan, Smoking Aces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah. feel. Um, they released the final trailer for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Dude, out of... I wasn't that excited. It, okay, so I'm a dinosaur guy, right? Yeah, yeah, so anytime yeah. there's like, oh, they're dinosaurs, of course I'm going to watch this movie, but I wasn't expecting a lot after this, the last one, which I enjoyed, but, you know, it was like, how, how, what else can we do with these things? Right. This looks so fucking badass. Yeah, it does. I, I am so on board yeah. for this. Yeah. All you can see is practical effect, real dinosaurs in real rooms. This looks badass. And it, go ahead. Oh, and the, and, the, and the new dinosaur, whatever the fuck it is. Whatever that is. Oh, my God. Yeah. I do bristle a little at the idea of, like, you know... This raptor being his dog, essentially. Yeah, that's, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got yeah. the. Uh, I like that was established in the last one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the T Rex and the raptor save us, and that that'll be the only complaint I think I'll have is if they do that again. I like that they're sort of posturing BD Wong as this super evil guy he's, when before he was so nice. Yeah, and, he's and, bad you know, guy. Yeah, 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 and. There is there's so much horror imagery in this that's yeah. like it's dark. And yeah, it's this giant it. fucking monster climbing into this girl's room. It's yeah. it's so bizarre. Yeah, it's, I, I I'm all about. Yeah. It. yeah, I'm I wasn't I agree I wasn't excited before. Totally am now. Yeah. Next up, movie called The Misandrists, um, directed by Bruce LaBruce, which once you know that the rest of the movie makes perfect makes sense. sense. Yeah, I've kind of in my head. It, it it gets parsed out as what if Spanish film director Alex de la Iglesia, who right. did things like Acción Mutante, Day of the Beast, if he directed The Beguiled, right? right? <laughs> um, this weird girls' school that is teaching revolution, um, female liberation army, yeah, yeah, um, very militant feminist um, group winds up taking in... It seems like these two girls take in this wounded guy and right. don't tell everyone else. Right, 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 right. Um, and again, very much like The Beguiled. And yeah. then it gets it gets crazy from I was, there. I was worried watching it at first until uh, Bruce the Bruce yeah. name came up. I was worried that it, it was going to be... There was a lot of scenes that... Uh, it seemed like um, we're playing to this fetish mm-hmm. of uh, you know, watching girls make out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Slumber parties. And yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. Um, 
But uh, but knowing it's Bruce LaBruce, it you go, like oh, okay. a lot more going on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds fun. It looks very cool. Um, and a lot of the quotes, the blurbs that they, they throw up, make it even more enticing. Yeah, know? because they're talking about it, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a bombshell. Um, a, what, what did one call it? Something about, something about queer cinema. Important new... Yeah, this is like a, yeah. yeah, I'm in. I'm totally in. Uh, and lastly, a documentary on CrossFit called The Redeemed and the Dominant. This looks like CrossFit's pumping iron. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, if nothing else... Lots and lots and lots of shots of really people in really good shape. Really good shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I just feel like, you know, we 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 were we talked about this off mic, but the idea like uh, it's impressive. And as someone once said, "Man, you're really good at working out." But I just don't know how some of these these abilities translate to the real world. Right. And I'd love to take someone that's super adept at CrossFit. And some and throw them in, you know, have a have a thing where them and a martial artist do CrossFit competition, mm-hmm. and then they do a martial arts competition. I'd really like to see where those how those stack up. I'd be interested in seeing how how they do in you know like a corporate world. Does that same drive that yeah. that makes you um, you know train for hours and hours and hours on and translate to um, running a business mm-hmm. or you know one would think it would because that kind of that kind of determination is good in business but it can also be bad it can if you're chasing the wrong or you're just a dick about it right you know and you can be a dick to yourself and punish yourself for yeah. what you do but when you start doing that in business and stuff they a lot of them ha- tend to have that wide-eyed yoked back look yeah um and again i I know a lot of people that do CrossFit, every single one of them have been injured, um, and mm. for nothing other than, you know, their personal battle. The pursuit of this battle, yeah. Um, you know, I'll keep my belly and punching people in the face well, you for know, my money. It's, it's, it's like everything, I think, um, you know, everything in moderation. Yeah, and it just doesn't, for me, I look at it, and I, I hate working out, and when I look at it, I go, wow, I, it looks like I would hate that even more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but God love you that you do it. And it is impressive. It's hugely impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to what we've been watching, you see anything? Um, I, uh, so, you know, I talked about Dark Dark, I mean, I'm sorry, Wild Wild Country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And it sent me on this rabbit hole of documentaries about cult leaders mm-hmm. for some reason and uh so i'm watching uh i'm uh, on amazon prime you can catch it it's a documentary called the source family there's this guy he was, his name was jim baker and he unlike a lot of these guys that are like you know different jim baker though different yeah, yeah. not 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 jim and tammy yeah not jim and tammy no yeah, yeah. um this guy was uh uh Multi-millionaire, he he was uh, uh, had the first chains of um, health food stores in Southern California, huh. but he also killed some people um, and was in World War Two and was involved in some bank robberies and shit. So he yes. wasn't he's not your typical he's not like you know peace and love yeah. guy. He's like uh, and you and you listen to these people that were in his cult and he's like. Father could kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. So it's very, it's very, uh, it's really uh, compelling. It's 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 a good. Are you are you all over this Smallville 
thing, the girl that was in small. I've I've only I've only Some no great, I've only paid attention to the to the um, headlines. Yeah, I can't. I, it's a wild story. I bet as you read <laughs> through, because they were branding people, and and a lot of the, the the people were being made to have sex with a cult leader, and they're talking human trafficking on this wow. girl. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Anything else? Um, saw the uh, saw the last episode of the Terror. Mm. Um, really cool. Uh, I, I I loved that little short series a lot. Um, I really liked that the design for the monster at the end, and I, I, I'm spacing on the name of it, it's like Toon Rock or something. Anyway, um, it, in the book you never could quite figure out, or I never could quite figure out, is it a polar bear? Is it a monster? Is it a spirit? It's kind of all those things. Oh, wow. And um, what I really liked in the show was that they didn't make it just look like a giant polar bear. It's like... It has a vaguely human face. Uh, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. And you don't see it a lot, and that makes it even that's better. That's even better. Yeah, Have yeah. you ever seen, there's a, another, there's a Swedish film called Flight of the Eagle with uh, Max von Sydow about guys trying to hot air balloon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, dude, yeah. Speaking of polar bears, yeah. Jesus, yeah. that's something else. Wow. Yeah. I you forgot know, all about that movie. the only bears that intentionally hunt people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because people are dicks. Yeah. Uh, anything else? <laughs> Um, I watched a thing, uh, Manson, 40 Years Later, which was a really good documentary on the Tate LaBiaca oh, okay. murders. Um, oh, well. that, that did a really good job with, I, I usually hate reenactments, but they did a really, really good job mm -hmm. with it. Um, again, I, 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 on Amazon Prime, I've just been going into this, like, documentary rabbit hole. Of, sure. Um. And, you know, next week it'll be something else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have been in bed all week, um, but I did watch... Um, Netflix has a special out called the Honeymoon Stand-Up Special. Mm -hmm. Natasha Leggero and her husband, um, Moshe Kasher. Both accomplished stand-ups. Um, the show is broken up into three half hours, three episodes. First half hour is Natasha Leggero doing stand-up, and it's quite good. Second half hour is Moshe Kasher doing stand-up, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And the third half hour is them. They bring audience members up to give them relationship advice. <laughs> um, and uh, it turns into just them roasting them. Sure. All in all, the, of the hour and a half, really just watch Legero's set. It's quite funny because she's out to here pregnant and she's wearing like a glitter outfit, kind of like Ali Wong's stand-up special. Yeah. Um, but I was bummed because I really like the two of them. I've seen them do stand-up before. Uh, it just, you know, Moshe Kasher talking about babies just doesn't, just doesn't wash. And I'm, it's too bad because, like I said, I was enjoying that. You know, something. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this or not before, but uh, something about. Um, that I hadn't really thought about until just recently that, you know, if you're a band or you're, you're a musician, mm -hmm. you go on the road, you do your greatest hits, right? Mm -hmm. As a comedian, you can't do that. Not anymore. No, you don't go and, and, and do the same. Well, it used to be that your act was your act. And you brought your act around, and you showed it every showed sure. it everywhere. And it yeah. took you several years to work your way across the country. Yeah. Now the, the standard rule seems to be you perfect your act for a year, mm -hmm. you do your special, you burn your act, and you start all over. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's hard. But I think it's making comics be better so because they're not relying on that 
there's there's new spontaneity because if you do this like look at the old stuff about like Milton Berle doing jokes yeah he's almost bored giving them it's like yeah. it's not fun for him and to watch someone do stand up and have fun is sure. cool it's very cool are you reading anything um I'm gonna be reading this awesome yeah <laughs> and that's my book yeah. that I'm gonna talk about right now yeah 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 uh, and that's I'm a book called Secret Windows by Stephen King it's a collection of articles that he's done. Forwards to different books, interviews. There's two fiction pieces. Man, I used to love like I'd go to the store, and uh, I, I wouldn't be able to afford to buy the book, mm -hmm. and I would walk around. And what I would read wasn't the book. I'd read the forwards. Yeah. You know, the the letter to the constant reader. So and, great. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this this has got lots of stuff. It's kind of a weird comp companion piece to um, on writing. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. I love that book. Yeah. Uh, let's do what we're listening to and get out of here. Uh, Anything? No. <laughs> Just the more mixes. You're the king of mixes, man. I I I I will I, I will give a shout out to something that that you turned me on to. You you posted it, and that was Dave Grohl bringing this this guy. Up. Kiss guy. Kiss guy. Kiss guy's the shit. <laughs> If you haven't seen the video, it's Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters. He sees a guy in the crowd with a Gene Simmons makeup on, and he invites him on stage, and he gives him a guitar. And this guy runs with it. <laughs> and he just, yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. can see it's like the entire time he spends his life, like, and now suddenly they give him all the toys. Yep, it's like, and he's running around, and he's... Taking solos and <laughs> so if you fun. haven't seen it, yeah, it's so good. Check it out. Uh, no comedy this week because it's the way it is. Bunch of music stuff. Dominic Lewis soundtrack to Peter Rabbit. It's very, it's good. It's bouncy. It's very light. If you're gonna put it on and do yard work, it'd be perfect for you. I always think of soundtracks in the way like what what am I gonna be doing what, while what, I do what it? What activity does this? Or or what am I what am I working on that this is going to influence? Right. Um, next up, a uh, record called Tree of Forgiveness by John Prine. Uh, John Prine is John a legend. Prime, yeah. And this yeah. record is good. Yeah. It's a little bit of him wrestling with end-of-life issues. Sure. You know, when I meet God. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then I found this guy. I listened to a soundtrack of this movie, Chappaquiddick, mm -hmm. by a guy named Garth Stevenson. And it... It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I mean, the thing about the Kennedys and all that right, stuff, right, right. and it was very different. The the tone of it was different. So I went out and looked for other Garth Stevenson um, records. One's called Flying, and one's called Floating, and they're great. Yeah. Very ambient, very beautiful. Cool. Very what have you. Soundtrack to the horror film Truth or Dare by Matthew Margison. Skip that one. Soundtrack to the movie Wildling by uh, Paul Haslinger. That was actually good. Very ambient, very dark, uh -huh. very horror film. Uh, Disaster Piece did the soundtrack to It Follows. And it's very experimental. It doesn't sound like film score music. It's more soundscapey, like we dropped you know this microphone into hell kind of sound. Sure. It's kind of cool. Um, soundtrack to the Wim Wenders movie Submergence we talked about the trailer yeah. a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. by a guy named Fernando Velasquez it's really good cool. I, don't, I know nothing about the movie but the m record's really good and then um, 
I was preparing to shit all over this Sting Shaggy record, 40, yeah. called 44876. <laughs> and it's, it actually works. It, it's not as, like, I really expected to hate it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I didn't. And then uh, we also talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Manhattan Transfer. They're, a few years ago, one of their singers died, yeah. and that was pretty much it. And I talked a little, I think, about the, a single I heard. Well, the whole record's out. And it's really good. Cool. Like, really, really, really good. Um, that's that. Yep. Other, other than we're gearing up for Crypticon. Crypticon in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, and we, we, we're slowly adding new some new guests that are very, very cool. Yeah, and we've we're, got some cool shit coming we up. Some I'm really, really cool looking forward to it. So, uh, that's it. Um, thanks again for listening. Please tell a friend. Um, we want to get our numbers up and stuff. So, for the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.